As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Until Saturday, the Athletics College Football Podcast. I am your host for today, David Ubbin, here with my co-host, Sam Kahn. Uh, our tech expert does a whole lot of other stuff for us as well. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, that way new episodes will reach you. We'll come to you uh, as soon as they're published. You don't have to seek us out. It's fine. And if you want to drop us a five-star review, do that. Uh, and if you drop us a comment in those reviews, we'll, we'll try to use them for a future uh, mailbag episode. So uh, be nice. We like picking <laughs> the people that are nice on there. Uh, you can also check us out until Saturday on YouTube. Uh, just hit subscribe so you know when new videos are published. Uh, today, we got a lot to talk about, Sam. We're going to talk bounce back teams. Um, you can define this in many ways, but I think the, the simplest way is teams that did not meet expectations last year for themselves or for the program and teams that are due to exceed expectations this year. Um, maybe be a lot, uh, quite a bit better than people think and certainly better than last year. There's a lot of candidates. We've narrowed them down to six with some, with some bonus picks. Uh, Sam, I, I think this is, it's all the preseason is always interesting because you you talk about these teams where there's no games being played for like seven months, and so <laughs> many of these opinions like get entrenched of like, well, this is obviously what's going to happen, and this is obviously what's going to happen. It seems like people forget, hey, the first month of the season is really unpredictable, and there's also lots of interpersonal dynamics that affect things on the field, and you really this is an unpredictable sport, and I think there's so much talk that people think it's predictable, uh, you know, this time of year where we think we kind of know how it's going to go. It never plays out like that. <laughs> I, I always tell coaches that I uh, I really appreciate what they do because if my livelihood was tied to <laughs> relying on 18 to 23-year-olds, I think I'd be in a really, really tough spot. So, yeah, that, that that's the thing that fascinates me about this because you said we get so entrenched in these narratives and thinking things are going to go one way. Well, what if the starting quarterback broke up with his girlfriend the day of the game it's and, a real and, you thing know, <laughs> that's a real thing that happens you know so so you know the, there there's real stuff going on with these young men and that can that can impact the program and impact the way a game goes and, and what makes me laugh about it, it when it comes to 
smashing the narratives is we talk about this, like you said, for six, seven, eight months. And then on week one, we see something and it's like, well, throw that out. We're going to go overreact <laughs> the whole other direction. But that said, hey, we've got some teams that we think are going to have a bounce back year, are going to have some better seasons this year. So I- I'm in, I'm excited to get into it. I'm going to kick us off. I, I think speaking of interpersonal dynamics, recruiting is a tough balance, Sam, because you are convincing kids that you want to come to your program. But if you got to convince them too hard, it's a, it's a problem when you get on campus, right? And mm-hmm. so for this reason, I'm going to point to our beloved Texas A&M Aggies, the better luck next year, you. Uh, I, think we can, <laughs> I think we can we can probably crown them. Uh but I think, you know, a lot was made uh, over A&M making a lot of hay in, in the NIL game and, uh, you know, the work that their collective had done. And certainly after last season, we saw a lot of exodus. Um, this is still a really talented roster. I think you might see somewhat of an addition by subtraction situation at Texas A&M this year. Uh, I think that can help your culture a little bit. But I, I think it's important to look at, you know, I think most of us on this pod are, are believers in the blue chip ratio, which doesn't guarantee anything, but it gives you possibility. A&M, fourth best roster in college football. That, you can't go five and seven again. You can't, no. It's just, that's really hard to do. And I think beyond the roster stuff, I, I, we, were, we talk about this a lot, every, almost every week on Football and Grits last year. I don't know how you could watch A&M and not say, the offensive scheme is like the biggest issue here. Y'all are doing some <laughs> pretty archaic stuff, very predictable, and that's not going to be the case with Bobby P. Uh, Sam, you're our resident tech expert. Are you on board with the Aggies as a bounce back team? Yeah, 100%. I, I think they are going to bounce back. The, the question for me is to what degree do they bounce back? Are we mm-hmm. talking about eight and four? Are we talking about nine and three? Are we talking about 10 and two and possibly making some noise in the SEC West? That that to me is a question. I, I don't think it's going to I, I would be stunned if they went six and six or yeah. five and seven again. I, I just don't I think there's too much talent to to for that to happen. And and of course we said that last year, but but the moves that they made, in particular adding Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator, adding Jim Chaney as an analyst of that offensive staff. It, it seems clear that even though Jimbo Fisher doesn't really want to say it out loud, that that he's kind of handing over the reins, he kind of mm-hmm. is. And I think that is going to open up a lot of possibilities and make this one of the best offenses in the country. And so there's that part. And then you've got the defense, which I think took its lumps last year. Uh, they, they had a lot of young defensive linemen, uh, a, a lot of young players up front. And some of those guys are a little bit older. They've been around for a little bit now. And now we're in the second year of a, of a defensive coordinator, second year of a scheme. So I think you'll, you'll see some natural improvement there. Uh, and the schedule, I think, is, is tough. But certainly yeah. in the early part of the season, I think it's manageable. And there's, there's a chance for them to build some momentum early in the year. So I definitely do think they're a bounce-back team. It's just a question of how good are they really. And, and to me, that, that becomes a test of Jimbo Fisher. If if he's able to adapt the way that he needs to adapt, maybe this could be a nine or ten win team. But if, I, if I it's it still is, a lot yeah. of the same stuff, then maybe it's just an eight and fourteen. Well, I know everybody wants to go, you know, funny haha, Jimbo and Bobby, you know, it's gonna be a cage match every coach's meeting, and like I'm sure there'll be some tension. 
But at the end of the day, it's results business. They're both very invested. Like, if they have a huge year, like, I think Bobby Petrino knows in the back of his mind. I know he would never leave for a better job. He just (laughs) is not that guy. But, like, he's on the path to, like, you could be a Power 5 head coach again if if you blow up here in the good way. You know, that's the thing. And you look around... Those two good players, Connor Wegman, Anaya Smith back, Evan Stewart, obviously you add Ruben Owens to the mix. Most importantly, you get four offensive line starters back. I know that group struggled last year. They were also pretty hurt. I think they'll be okay uh, on defense, but I, I really do buy the offensive renaissance. I don't think they're going to be throwing for 400 yards a game, but they can be functional. I think they can be physical um, and effective and, and look a lot like some of Jimbo's best teams um, and, and a little bit of, uh, you know, 2010, 2011 Arkansas when 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 Bobby was there. But I just think, you know, there's too much invested in this. I know people make a lot of Jimbo's buyout. I don't think Jimbo thinks like that or anybody really sort of is like, well, I don't have to really do anything because I got $75 million coming to me anyway. The coaches, they're my just, most of them anyway, they're my just don't really work like that. Like they are both very invested in succeeding. And so while there is certainly, uh, you know, a gasoline and a vacuum situation here. I think that there's so much on the line for both of those guys that you kind of have to make it work. And I think they will. Yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. I think, I think they'll find a way to make it work. And uh, Jimbo is really competitive. Uh, Let's be honest. I mean, if he wasn't, we wouldn't have seen him go toe to toe with Nick Saban last year, last May. (laughs) <laughs> and def- fiercely defend his team after uh, Saban made some comments about roster. Uh, was it go ask God how he team. made the earth or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> go ask God how he did his deal. <laughs> it was it was great. But yeah, I, it, to me, it's just about degrees. Uh, degrees of improvement is, is what I'm yeah. fascinated to watch. And I think that a week two game against Miami in, in, in Miami is going to be key. And week four and five Arkansas and Auburn are going to be really, really important for that program. Cause I think they're going to have to win those games to generate the kind of momentum that we're talking about. Yeah, I think so. And, and Miami, another team that a lot of people are buying as, as uh, as a bounce back team. I'm not sure I'm fully in there. Uh, I like Mario Cristobal. I'm not sure about the personnel. Um, we'll see. Uh, Sam, who is your first pick? I'm going Wisconsin. I like the Badgers here. Uh, for a few reasons. Number one, and I was listening to you guys talk about on the coaches show uh, with Ari and Chris about some of the hires. And I just really loved Wisconsin's move to go get Luke Fickle. I think, as Ari said, I think it's a sign that they're taking this seriously and they want to win at a high level. Because Paul Christ, uh, th- there were obviously some issues, but that you know he was able to take them uh you know get them to some 10 win seasons and and have some success there but they you know they they struggled in the last you know year or two and and Wisconsin decided that it was time to to take that program back up another level and i think fickle when you see what he did at cincinnati and the way he recruited despite not having a team in a power conference despite not having necessarily the resources that you would have at a Big Ten program to be able to get them to the playoff, I think says a lot about his ability to to acquire talent, to manage a program, to run a program. So I like that. I like the addition of Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator. You know, he has seen him. He had success at North Carolina, had success mm-hmm. at Ole Miss. Uh, he spent some time down here at Sam Houston State. Uh, really, really good offensive mind. And then the combination of Longo and Tanner Mordecai, I really like. Mordecai was one of the best. Uh, group of five quarterbacks last year, you know, definitely one of the best in the American athletic 
really talented guy. And I think the the marriage of Longo and Mordecai, I think, gives this offense a lot a chance to really shine uh, once they get it going. Because I, I I think one thing that you'll you'll see is you'll you'll see that offense change quite a bit. It's going to be different from Wisconsin. Uh, what Wisconsin fans are usually accustomed to, but but I think there's a lot of potential there. So I really do like the Badgers bouncing back from being seven and six a year ago and and making some noise in the Big Ten. Yeah, go read our 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 friend Jesse Temple's coverage of the Badgers. He does a great job uh, with them. Always good uh, giving some behind the scenes stuff. I think Wisconsin is one of those programs that is really going to benefit from the expanded playoff because. There's a there's a tough conversation about okay what is this program ceiling like we know in any given year you know Wisconsin could win the West you know that 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 side of the conference is so wide open always okay well now you bring in USC and UCLA I have a hard time seeing Wisconsin being a lot better than USC when USC is not even rolling but like competent right uh, when when that's tough you obviously have um, Ohio State and Michigan. It's tough to see Wisconsin getting past them. So you basically have to win the West, get through there with like one loss, which is never super easy because there's, you know, Wisconsin is who they were offensively. I think they can change that um, under Luke Fickle and they will um, while keeping some of that physicality. But like the idea of Wisconsin getting into the 14 playoff, if you told me that was impossible, I would be like, maybe like you're probably right. But a 12-team playoff? I mean, most years, Wisconsin can probably sniff that, right? They're always that really good program. And I think that's, you know, if this was a 12-team playoff this year and you told me, you know, Luke Fickle can get there in year one, that's not the craziest thing I've ever heard, you know? And so uh, Wisconsin is, they're in a really interesting spot. And I think they are one of the programs that stands to really benefit uh, from the expanded playoff and, and the possibility of getting in there. I think that's a a really realistic goal for them. Um, dare I say more years than not, especially under Luke Fickle, a guy who, you know, did some really great things at Cincinnati. And, um, you know, really, I think for a lot of people, he was the quote unquote, the guy who went six and six at Ohio state and seeing him build in the way that he did at Cincinnati. And when he leaves, you know, people are, you know, crying in the streets. That says a lot about what you do, especially as a, as a guy who, who didn't have a ton of connections to that program. So, We'll see. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. Sam, my next one. I'm going to go... Keep it in the Big Ten. Math is a crazy thing, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and so is competency. 
And yeah, at some point, the dam has to break for Nebraska. And I think you're going to see that <laughs> this year. Uh, listen, what does a bounce back mean? I'm not sure Tommy Frazier is walking through that door and we're going to see Nebraska competing for national championships. But listen, they ran Bo Pelini out of town because he couldn't get to double digits and kept losing four games. I think Nebraska can get back to that. Maybe not right away, but it's hard to believe. Uh, it's been, uh, I believe, six years since they've been to a bowl game. That's that's insane at, at any power program. Like, that's hard to do. Um, at a place that really cares and really invests in football. Um, and yet, that's something that Nebraska has done. Uh, you know, Mike Riley, I think, won nine games, I want to say 2017, uh, and they haven't been to a bowl game since then. Um, for all of Scott Frost, I mean, what were the betting odds when Scott Frost took that job that he would never have a winning season? Golly. Uh, you know, we were talking about that. All the grades were like A's and A-plus for yeah. Scott Frost when he got hired. Yeah. It's crazy. So, listen, you heard plenty from last year and last really most of the Scott Frost tenure uh, to suggest that it was not the best situation. There are a lot of game management issues that showed up on Saturday. The jokes were very funny, but when you lose so many close games, you upgrade the coaching staff. I think the roster is probably slightly better. I think you're going to be okay. And again, like we talked about with Wisconsin, you're in the Big Ten West. Like, it's not like you're sitting there in the SEC West where you got to play LSU, Alabama. Uh, you know, uh, Texas A&M, all these super, super talented teams. Like, you're going to be okay if you're competent and you don't beat yourself. Nebraska's been doing a lot of beating themselves the last couple of years. I think they can stop that under Matt Rule. And one of the hallmarks of his program is, is toughness. I think there's a toughness that he can instill immediately. And I think, you know, from the Scott Frost era, like 120th in rush defense last year, that's – Black shirts, come on, that's that's white flag, <laughs> that's white flag stuff right there. I, I think you know. I, again, I'm not in love with the personnel at Nebraska. I think they got a long ways to go to build that up and to get where you can really start doing the things that Nebraska wants to do. And there's a fair debate about what the ceiling and, and what the realistic expectations should be in that program. But it should be better than what they've done the last you know half decade. Certainly a lot better than that. And there's no excuse to be that bad. I mean, six losing seasons in a row is is wild. I think that ends now. Three, four, and eight seasons, uh, two, three win seasons, and a five win season. That's, it's hard to like you. Don't, that's like, rough. They have been bad, but they have not been like laughing stock bad. Where you're just like, oh, this is a disaster. It seems like every year they've just been like, what's going on there? Why aren't they better than this? And that I, it's hard to believe when you see it on paper. You're like, wow, they have been not good for a long time because people, I don't. People think of them as an average program. They've been way below average, like since Bo left. And 2016, it's, it's crazy. The nine and four was the last time they had a winning record. I, I'll, I'll say this: I'm high on Nebraska too. When Ari and I did the the buy or sell, I, I mm-hmm. was definitely a buy on Nebraska, and more on I think on the long term yeah. because of Matt Rule's ability to build a program. What I will say about 2023 is this year is going to be fascinating to me with the Cornhuskers because one thing that Matt Rule has done at his previous two college stops is he's had really rough first years. And it was, it would think Temple, I believe they went two and 10 that first year. And at Baylor, it was one and 11. And Matt is very much a rip it down to the studs and build back from the ground up kind of builder. So that said, Things have changed since he's last been a college coach because the one-time transfer rule came in. The mm-hmm. portal has become a big uh, mechanism for roster management. And this management. is the best situation he's taken over by far, which 100%. is saying something. <laughs> 100%. And, and, and 
But but because of that style and the way he builds, I'm curious how much progress do we see this year? I do think there's going to be improvement. And I do think in the long term, this hire works out. And I think this was the, a great direction to go for the Cornhuskers. I think he'll do a great job build, rebuilding this program up. But watching it this year will be fascinating to me just because of how it's happened in the previous two stops and just the way that he builds these things from the start. I think that the first year is always the toughest in a Matt Rule program. And Matt Rule might be the only coach on the planet who has broken two programs' hearts by leaving, and they're still like, ah, we love that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's hard to do. You know, we just talked about Bobby Petrino. That has not been his experience. <laughs> he has gone out in, in many ways uh, in a blaze of glory. And, you know, Matt Rule, that... I don't know how you do that. I think Matt Rule, obviously, a immensely like likable person. I know I spent some time with him, Sam. You have as well, and uh, maybe that's part of it. But it's hard to sort of leave, especially leaving when things are good, and having people sort of be like, "That's okay, we get it." <laughs> <laughs> Sam, who is your next pick? Uh, I'm going to pick somebody that I think you have a little familiarity with, and you like a little bit too. Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really, I mean, and I'm also, Ari, I think is a little bit on board here too, because he was leading the higher Kenny Dillingham campaign, uh, for the Sun Devils. But I, I really do like the way they put this first staff together. I think Dillingham has a lot of potential. Obviously I love that he, his ties there to Arizona state, but you look at some of the guys he's hired on that staff. Uh, you know, I really liked when he brought in Rashad samples and Brian Carrington, two guys mm-hmm. who can help recruit uh, at a really high level. Uh, you know, Bo Baldwin, who's, who had a really decorated history, I think, at Eastern Washington as quarterback's coach. He even brought uh, Jason Mons uh, from Saguaro, the local high school, uh, really, really accomplished coach at that level. So I, I they, And they've seemed to do a really good job. They've added a lot of people uh, in, this, in this cycle, uh, both from a recruiting standpoint and from a portal standpoint. So they've made that roster over quite a bit. And I just like the potential there. I I think there's a lot of energy around that program. Uh, Dillingham seems to have endless uh, energy and and enthusiasm to recruit, which I think is huge and and is going to help this program. Because this program, I think, does have a higher ceiling than it has been the last several Mm -hmm. years. And so uh, I do like the potential there right now at Arizona State with under Dillingham. I think the energy is right over there. Yeah, I think the energy is a is a big part of that. Um, but you, you know, at the end of the day, it, the roster I think will be an issue um, defensively. You know, can they get there? Uh, they have added some some nice pieces. Uh, they picked up Jordan Tyson, you know, at, at receiver, one of the best uh, uh, Colorado players that 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 had left uh, off of last year's team. Didn't really get that opportunity. I'm very intrigued. I was out there this spring. I'm very intrigued to see what Drew Pine can do. Uh, I think he, you know, they're, they've been, uh, you know, sort of cagey about the quarterback spot, but I'll be surprised if Drew Pine doesn't win that job. And I'll tell you, when I was out there, some Chase Daniel vibes from Mr. Chase, from uh, Mr. <laughs> Drew Pine. I, I see some some similarities there. Uh, very accurate, very decisive, a little undersized, um, certainly a very different background um, than Chase Daniel. But I, I like what I saw from him. And I think, you know, they've got the piece. I think they can put some points up, which you're going to need to uh, in the Pac-12 this year. But all of a sudden, you know, there's a real uh, recruiting battle in the state of Arizona in trying to get guys to, uh, you know, uh, not leave. Now, pulling guys out of Arizona is going to be a lot tougher. Jade Fish has had some success there. I think Kenny Dillingham 
with that staff, and I think they're they're very involved. They're going to be spending a lot of time in Texas, obviously. With and you mentioned Rashad Samples and Brian Carrington, two guys that have a lot of respect and a lot of name recognition there, um, and they know that. And then obviously, heavy Arizona staff. You know, Sean Guano on there, um, a guy that's you know made a ton of hay uh, uh, as a high school coach there, and then was the interim that at Arizona State last year. So I, I agree with you. I think the staff is a huge strength there. The roster, you got a little ways to go, but I but I can see it. Uh, Sam, let's go all the way to the other side of the country uh, for my next bounce back pick. We'll stay on the top of the alphabet, and we will go to uh, the fighting Hugh Freezes uh, in Auburn. <laughs> Listen, I get it. I get. Uh, oh man, it's it's an interesting situation. Uh, will we? You know. Can you avoid the self-sabotage that sort of ended what was a very promising run Whew. at uh at 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 Ole Miss? But at the other day, when you look at, at this Auburn program, right, I, I do believe in the weight of a situation like last year. The hot seat is one thing. I think sometimes teams can rally around that. But Harson really took it to another level, and you saw that in the offseason. You know, when when it's every time the next loss, the coach might be out. That's very different than I think. Oh, your coach is on the hot seat. You know, everybody kind of knew, hey, we're counting down the days to a midseason firing. I think that weighs on a team. And I think you know, some of the locker room stuff that spawned a lot of the reasons for Brian Harson getting sideways with the, the power brokers at Auburn, I think some of that stuff was was real. Um, and then obviously the recruiting aspect, I think, above all, is the, the biggest issue. But Auburn is still talented. I think people don't realize, Sam, this is still a team inside the blue chip ratio, number 16. Okay, a lot of questions. Certainly, I'm not a huge fan of what they have at QB uh, with Robbie Ashford and and uh, and Peyton Thorne from from uh, Michigan State. But you still have Jarquez Hunter. You got the number four transfer class in the country. You know, Jair Shorter, Shane Hooks. I think could be a nice one too at receiver. They throw Caleb Burton in there from from Ohio State late. You still you add Justin Rogers from Kentucky, Demario Tolan from LSU, linebacker Gunner Britton. They pick up uh, a Western Kentucky guy moving up. Uh, Listen, talent isn't a cure-all, but talent does win out more often than not. And I just think ultimately, when you think about the upgraded talent that they've had, the you sort of lift the weight off the program. I think the ceiling for Auburn is kind of low, but I think going from five wins to like eight, maybe you sniff nine. I, I don't know. You know, you're fortunate you don't have a, a Penn State this year that's going to beat you up at the start of the season. Um but I, you know, Auburn, I, I see definitely some up, some upside there to to you know be finishing a little bit higher in the West than maybe people believe. Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, the talent level is good. I mean, look, Auburn recruits at a high level. There, there's no doubt about that. And Hughes' experience in the SEC and track record, uh, I think, certainly there's a lot of other issues there. But from a pure football standpoint. I mean, the guy, the guy is a good football coach. And they, they were, like I said, this, this is a guy that was able to beat Alabama when he was at Ole Miss. Uh, he was able to lead them to a 10-win season. He, every, every stop that he's been at, Arkansas State, Ole Miss, and Liberty, he's recorded a 10-win season. Uh, and I think there's something to be said for that. So I yeah. do think there is some potential there for this team. And just because of where they are and the way they can recruit, the level of talent they have, uh, I don't. I don't think there's a lot of question in his actual football acumen, and I think there's definitely a lot of potential there for the Tigers. And hey, now that you can sort of, uh, you know, it's much easier to draw in recruits with paychecks. That's not illegal. Uh, say what you want about Hugh Freeze, but 
the talent level and the uh, recruiting uh, assessments, Greg Little, NFL player, AJ mm-hmm. Brown, All Pro, DK Metcalf, uh, a guy that you know speaks for his his, his self, obviously. Um, you know the the Kemdiche, Robert Kemdiche. You add him in there. Uh, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting a couple big ones. Um, uh, I'm forgetting a few other guys from that Ole Miss class. But ultimately, you know, he had a lot of success with transfers. Or you know, built up Malik Willis. We'll see if he can do that. Uh, Producer Cam Laramie Tunsil is the one I'm forgetting. I think he was. Uh, I don't know where he actually ended up being drafted after the draft night fiasco. <laughs> uh, what was it? The gas mask. It Remember a, the no, gas it mask. It was the gas. It was a one-two punch. It was the gas mask, and then the yes, I got paid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think he was breaking a lot of news, but like. Yeah, man, maybe don't say that on draft night. I don't even remember these circumstances. Uh, Kansas, he dropped the 13th overall. If I recall, he was generally accepted as like a top five pick, right? Either way, top 10, really, certainly, yeah. Yeah, regardless, clearly a huge talent. You're still making a ton of money in the NFL. So, like, Hugh Freeze, I, I think people underrate the, you know, can you get, they overrate, oh, can you get this guy and underrate the evaluation, fit, development. Those are, that's how you actually make hay in the league. You got to get guys. But, like, if you can identify and then get them and then develop them and use them, I mean, there's not a lot of guys that are more proven than, than Hugh Freeze. So this is why I really thought, listen, there's a million reasons to not do it if you're Auburn. But when you do do it, I, I sort of get it because this is a results business. And Auburn, I think, can get some results, and I think they can do it pretty quickly uh, under Hugh Freeze. Uh, Sam, who you got? My third pick is Baylor. Uh, I, I think uh, this is a chance to really take a step back up for this program. And let's not forget, in the last 10, 11 years, Baylor's won the Big 12 three times. Mm-hmm. This is a good program. This is a program that ever since it was revived, it has maintained a fairly high level of play, save for a few years. Like I said, we talked about the Matt Rule year earlier. But overall, this has been a program that has been a real factor in the Big 12 for quite some time. And their last year didn't go the way you thought it would. They ended up six and seven. But I look at a lot of the circumstances last year and and I see where there can be improvements. Number one, quarterback play obviously wasn't where it needed to be. Blake Shapin struggled a lot in his first full year as a starter. But also, I don't think that he was outfitted with enough talent around him. I think that they lost a lot at receiver last year. They've improved there. You know, they added Keytron Jackson out of the portal. Uh, And then they added Jake Roberts as a tight end from North Texas. Uh, They added Dominic Richardson to the run game to help beef up their running back. So they've outfitted the skill positions a little bit better around Shapin. They also brought in competition for him, Sawyer Robertson. Shapin's going to be the starter. But if for whatever reason Shapin struggles and and they need to make a change, Sawyer Robertson's a talented guy. He was a four-star coming out of Lubbock, Texas, played and signed for Mike Leach. Uh, and then, of course, transferred this offseason. So I, I, going and seeing Sawyer, I think he's a really talented guy. So I think they've got two talented quarterbacks there. And, and then you've got a team that, let's let's not forget, last year, going into the second week of November, they were 6-3, and three, and it, they were still in the hunt to make a Big 12 championship game. Had they won out last that at the last three uh, games of the season, they would have ended up playing for Big 12 championship. Of course, they went the other way. They lost three in a row. One of those, a very wild fire drill field goal at the last second to lose to TCU <laughs> yeah. at home. That, that I mean, they 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 
outplayed. They went toe-to-toe with TCU, and they outplayed TCU for a good chunk of that game. So this was not a bad team. I think they caught some bad breaks down the stretch and certainly lost their way a little bit. But I think you can attribute some of that to just the roster turnover that they had. They lost six draft picks off that 2022 team. And, uh, you know, they were playing, I think, with so many new guys in key roles in 2023 that it was it was hard to deal with. So I look at some of the experience that's been gained there. I like the addition of Matt Pallage as defensive coordinator, bring some familiarity back from that 2021 team that won the Big 12. And I think Dave Aranda, I am a believer in Dave Aranda. I do think he's got this program going in the right direction. So I think Baylor is a team that, that can bounce back from going six and seven last year. I think the thing that people overlook with Baylor, too, is you mentioned, you know, three Big 12 championships uh, since, what, 2010, 11, something in that range. Three head coaches have won those championships. Like, I I think people really underrate Baylor as a job because their history is so, um, we'll call it modest. (laughs) (laughs) That's put it it, uh, politely. (laughs) Yeah, but I think Baylor is a testament to, like, hey, if they're in, if the investment is there and the money is there, then you can do some things. And and Baylor has invested in facilities and coaches and uh and they have made themselves into a very good job. And uh, anybody who's been to that stadium and been to their facilities, like you know, you're you're in a good spot. And you're obviously in Central Texas where you have access to talent. And even though Waco itself is not Austin in terms of a draw, you are an hour and a half from Dallas, an hour and a half from Austin, and you're and if you're from Texas, especially if you're in that I thirty five corridor, um, you know a lot of uh, you know your parents are gonna be able to come see your games for the most part, mm-hmm. and that and that matters, and and they've upped their recruiting that started obviously under Art Bryles, and and you can pretty consistently get top thirty classes at Baylor, and and certainly in the top fifteen if you really get things rolling, um, so you know I, I we don't need to debate the quality of the jobs in the new big 12, but certainly Baylor, if you wanted to make a case for number one, number two, you probably could. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that means something. And I think it also um, means a lot when you're looking at, Hey, we like Dave Aranda. We don't want to lose. <laughs> we don't want to lose him. You know, I, I think it, you know, people are the LSU thing. People always talk about, but I don't think, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like Brian Kelly's going anywhere for quite some time. I, I think you can feel pretty good about, Hey, you know, we, we can, we can keep him for a little while. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. And I yeah. will say this. I do think this, they need to bounce back because I think this is a huge year for him. I, I don't think he's under any pressure, yeah. so to speak, but if you don't take a step forward this year, then I think people start asking questions about how good mm-hmm. are you really because you won that Big 12 championship with a roster largely recruited by your predecessor. All those mm-hmm. draft picks that they had were all Matt Rule recruits. So, mm-hmm. and in the, the six draft picks they had in, in the 2021 team that got drafted in 2022. Uh, and, and so you had the rough first year, which pandemic year, you kind of watched that. Year two, everything went right. Year three, very up and down early, and then bottom kind of fell out at the end with that four-game losing streak. So that's why I think this is such a pivotal year. There's been a lot of staff turnover. I loved mm-hmm. the Jeff Grimes hire when he made it. That one's worked out really well. I think the yes. offensive staff has come right time, really right well. guy, right place. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they've got Eric Mateos on the offensive line, who's done really good. AJ Stewart, who they just brought over who had been at Oregon State and Rice, had been at BYU with Grimes and Mateo. So I think that is going to help that staff a little bit too. Uh, but but he fired, you know, Dave Aranda fired his, his mentor, Ron Roberts, after last season. And, and granted, they, they were not very good, but he's now changed out both coordinators and, of course, brought back Matt Pallage from Oregon. So 
this is a really important year, I think, in terms of just steering the direction and figuring out what this program truly is under Dave Aranda. Mm -hmm. But but I do me personally, I'm a believer and I do think they're going to they're going to get it done and they're they're going to get moving back in the right direction. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Sam, we were just going to do six, but you know what? I have too much respect for our listeners. We need a bonus round, <laughs> all right? We're not going to go quite as deep into these, but we have some some bonus bounce-back teams. Uh, you hit on Arizona State. I I like them long-term. I'm I'm a little iffy on them short-term, but we'll see. And, and they uh, you're coming back from three and nine, I think you can certainly get to a bowl game. But what about 90 minutes down the road, Arizona? I, I think it's really tough to bring in a ton of new faces and have it gel immediately. Um, but last year, you know, you had, you bring in Jaden Delora, he's throwing to uh, Jacob Cowing. Uh, you, you have a breakout in uh, Tay Tyroa McMillan. I think I got that. I think I got that right. But they were, you know, they were a lot better. Uh, I think this year that team can get to a bowl game. I think there's a lot of juice in the program. Uh, you know, you, you have a nice one, two punch, you know, uh, in the backfield of Michael Wiley and Jonah Coleman, and a lot of juice in the program. And you just add Demond Williams, uh, Elijah Rushing uh, comes in there, two of the best players in the state, already in the boat for the class of 2024. They sort of have already declared war on Arizona State on the recruiting trail, which, <laughs> you know, those two, they have been uh, somewhat of an afterthought for a long time. You know, we can call it the B. John Robinson disease. We can call it whatever we want to. <laughs> it's been a problem. But there's so much talent there, and for whatever reason, it's been very tough to keep guys home. And I think that if that changes, you can have some stuff. But, uh, you know, I think the defense, if you can improve to, like, not terrible, I think you can really do some things in Arizona. But, you know, you only have three starters back. That's an uphill battle for, for Johnny Nance and the, the, the defensive coordinator there. But I, I like Arizona to to get to a bowl game, maybe win that seven game, you know, get to seven games, something along those lines. So bounce back. We'll call it a continuation of uh, a program that was at rock bottom when when Jed Fish got there. So props to him. Who's uh, who's on your uh, your bonus picks here, Sam? Miami. I- I'm going to go Miami, even though it, for a couple of reasons. One, I don't know they can get much worse than they did last year. Like last mm-hmm. year was, you know, you're losing to Middle Tennessee. It was bad, but I do think Mario Cristobal, you know, with hit with his history there. And his familiarity there and, and the way they've been able to acquire talent, I think at some point that's going to add up. And I just look at the schedule this year, and I think the schedule is very manageable. It's very you that Texas A&M game in week two looms large would be really nice to win that game. But even if you don't, 
you probably are starting your non-conference three and one coming out of September. You get the off week and then you get Georgia Tech. So you could be going into that road game at North Carolina at four and one. If you get some momentum going, maybe even five and zero oh, if, if you beat A and M. If you get some momentum going there, then then things could possibly get rolling for Miami. So I I, I think the Canes are gonna just from a, a talent acquisition standpoint, the way the schedule sets up early on, I think Crystal Ball's got a chance to get them to bounce back in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I gotta go. Uh, I'm gonna keep it in the South and say uh, uh, Florida Atlantic. Not far from your boys in Miami. Tom, Tom Herman. Herman Tom you've, you've, had, you've had plenty of experience <laughs> with him. I think it, people forget this team has had three losing seasons. Well, two losing seasons in a row. Uh, Willie Tiger, I think, went five and four in the COVID year. Um, but ultimately, I think Tom Herman, uh, we, we've seen him sort of have microwaved teams and looked good. What, you know, in the in the Sun Belt, you can win a lot of games. Uh, I, I think it, ultimately, you know, it's a little bit different. Uh, you know, when you, uh, move up and, uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with the, the CUSA is still, it's, it, you know, I, I, I don't think it's quite like the Sun Belt where, where you've seen, or Sun Belt or the Mac where different teams can, can succeed. But I think certainly in the CUSA, uh, you know, FAU has a chance to really, uh, win a bunch, win a bunch of ball games, at least get back to a bowl game, you know, eight wins, nine wins. I think it's possible because I don't think the talent gaps are that wide. Um, down there and if you can scheme it up and, and I think you've, you've got a, a hungry Tom Herman down there I'm, I'm a believer that they can they can flip a switch and and have some success uh, what else you got for us Sam and the last team I'm going to throw out here is Rice uh, this is kind of I'm taking a flyer here on the Owls uh, JT Daniels is there now now on his fourth program went from USC to Georgia to West Virginia now at Rice uh, the buzz coming out of there with his the fit that he is in this offense at Rice, it, him and Luke McCaffrey, the Nebraska transfer, who's mm-hmm. a dynamite receiver. I think they got a lot of skill talent, and they, they were a team that I thought should have gone to a bowl game last year. They, they ended up 5-8. and eight. They did end up going to a bowl game because there weren't enough six-win teams, but they didn't get bowl eligible technically. I think this is a team that might have a shot to do it just because they've had so many problems at quarterback. They've had so much turnover because of injuries or inconsistency or other issues at the position, and I think JT could come in and give them somebody who's competent, somebody who's accurate, somebody who can be consistent at that spot and help Rice finally get back to a bowl game, which they haven't done uh, in the Mike Bloomgren era back even in uh, until I think it was 2014, 2015 was the last time they were at bowl game. So I think the Owls are got they a the shot only, here. Are they the only 5-8 and eight team in history? There can't be very many of them. <laughs> I think there are. <laughs> North Texas went 5-8, and eight, I think, five, four, three, four, five years ago. There was a year where they went. That's our next podcast episode is we do a deep dive (laughs) on all the five and eight teams in the history of college football. That's a dynamite (laughs) show, I feel like. And we start with 2022 Rice. I like it. I like it. Uh, Sam, we should probably touch on Michigan State before we head out. A lot of people pointing to the Spartans as a bounce back team. I need to see some more. I mean, I think... How much of year one is Kenneth Walker, right? And I think you see Peyton Thorne not really improving. That makes me nervous. You know, so now you got Noah Kim now stepping in there. I just, I, I, this, it feels like a bit of a low ceiling. And I, and I wonder too, you know, when the pressure uh, of the, the contract, which has loomed over the program, obviously, how much does that sort of, um, you know, affect anything where you, you feel like, hey, we got to win now. We got to win now. 
and and sort of you know still you don't want to live in the portal obviously but when you have so much success in year one of the portal and you have a lot more success than people expect you sort of raise the bar for yourself in a way that can be counterproductive to long-term growth and so you look at that not the best schedule for them either uh you still have washington even though you're in east lansing you go to iowa you go to minnesota Obviously, you're not going to be able to dodge Ohio State and Penn State. I'm not sure it matters uh, where those games are. I don't think you're in a. You know, I don't think you're in a place right now to compete with either of those teams. I think they might be able to get back to a bowl game, but not by a lot. Um, you know, I, I don't know that you're going to have a replay of the Washington game last year where you just get run off the field. But I don't think you win that game. I'm pretty high on Washington this year, so I'm not as in on on Michigan State as a bounce back team. I think they can be better but not a team that, that a lot of people are are going to be fired up about. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see, I guess. Uh, we, we started the show talking about you have some entrenched beliefs that uh, can change in a hurry. I think last year it was, well, Michael Penix is too banged up to be effective and Washington's <laughs> offense is going to take time to fix. Or Washington's offense is going to take time to fix. That was not the case. So maybe we're wrong, but we'll see. I doubt it. I haven't been wrong before. Maybe we'll see. Um, the first time, but I, I, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. And listen, Sam, if I'm wrong, I can just double down. It's fine. I'm good with it. Uh, I have no problems doing that. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope that you will bounce back uh, into the Until Saturday feed um, for our next show. Um, again, uh, follow us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe on YouTube as well. Leave us a review, a uh, comment. We'll try to hit those uh in the uh in a mailbag episode in the future so thank you guys again uh for for tuning in um and uh we'll be back very very soon we've got a show every day every weekday leading up to the season and then of course we got a ton of stuff for you um this season you'll see me you'll see sam uh you'll see a lot of my colleague ari wasserman um uh, maybe the most polarizing member of our staff. I love Ari. I, I'm sure many of you do too. And so I'm looking forward to it. Again, for Sam Khan, I'm David Oven. Thanks for tuning in.